Hi, welcome to Break Time with Breakman. Today we are interviewing um, one of my closest friends, our former UAW Region 9A director, Julie Kushner, and state senator in Danbury, so Connecticut. So I wanted to invite Julie here to talk a little bit about what she's hearing from her constituents around the state, which I'm sure is not different than um, any other state in the country at this time, but she is on the front lines of hearing some of the real um, tragedies of what's happening during this virus. So welcome, Julie, and thanks for uh, joining us today. It's good to see you. It's great to see you, Bab, uh, even if it's only over Zoom. Um, but I, I have to say, uh, I was so excited to have the opportunity to talk with our brothers and sisters in the UAW. Uh, I, I got dressed in my UAW swag and, and I've got my coffee cup here um, from one of our conferences. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, I, I will always be so grateful to the members of uh, our region who worked so hard to uh, just advance the cause of uh, working people and, and help to elect me to the state Senate. So I've been in the state Senate now for about a year and a half. And uh, this session was unlike any other uh, where <laughs> we got the session. We were off to a great start. We had some really important bills. I think most people know I'm the uh, Senate chair of the Labor Committee. So uh, we were hearing bills about uh, ways to protect uh, uh, EMPs and folks who uh, respond to crises and from PTSD and and we were uh, talking about their work weeks and we had this whole you know we were talking about the Janus protections all of these bills uh, and everything came to a screeching stop and um, so since uh, March uh, the last day I was in this the Capitol was March 10th and since then I'm on daily calls with the Senate Democratic Caucus and we discuss uh, all the issues of the day. So in general, we're talking about the needs and, and most of those relate to workers. So we're talking about the needs of frontline workers to have masks and that means, you know, uh, hospital workers, folks in nursing homes, PCAs, people who work in grocery stores. Um, and it's just, you know, a constant battle to get them the necessary protections. Uh, we've also been talking about uh, recently about having a presumption of, uh, that you contracted uh, the coronavirus on the job if you get sick. And that should be true for all of our frontline workers. Uh, and so we're trying to change and get an executive order on workers' compensation for police and fire and hospital workers, but also right. for grocery workers and for right. people who work in those service clauses on I-95 and have been exposed. You know, so I'm working on some you know, really important statewide initiatives that would protect working families. You know, in terms of the constituents here in Danbury, uh, most frequently what I'm dealing with is people who are, are really struggling. They can't access unemployment. Um, we do have some good news on that here in Connecticut. Uh, the backlog, uh, there have been some fixes in the computer system. We expect to have the backlog caught up uh, by the end of the week, and that's really good news. And then for the self-employed individuals, the system that will accommodate these new applicants uh, will be up and live on April 30th. And right now, both of those uh, programs uh, that are in effect are 
are on schedule to, to be available on the date that was announced last week. So I feel like we're making some headway there. Um, but we still get, you know, calls, school bus drivers who uh, the school's district stopped paying contracts, even though they had been funded for the full year. They stopped paying those contracts when schools closed. Tons of people were out of work that shouldn't have been out of work. The money was there for them. Um, we worked very hard with the AFL-CIO, UAW, um, to get the governor to put in place an executive order uh, telling those school districts to pay those contracts and pay those workers. So, you know, it's just, you know, the days are filled with uh, problem solving and, and working together and organizing people for initiatives that will help working families here in Connecticut. And, you know, I, I will say that, you know, there are a few things that have become really clear. Um, while uh, our unionized members still have tremendous struggles and face challenges and obstacles that are serious, including especially nursing home workers and CAs uh, that uh, don't have the proper protective equipment, uh, school teachers who are facing struggles, but all of those workers that are unionized, they have a voice, they have an organization, and it is so much easier for us to get together and push forward initiatives, and we have seen some good results from that. Um, but those workers without any unions, uh, they're, they're really, really struggling. Yeah. So, Julie, um, Senator Kushner, um, how, what, how do you think this pandemic will inform your work as a legislator going forward? Like, what's, what have you learned that you'll take, take forward with you and when you're making policy in the next legislative session? I think that it's my hope. And, you know, so much of this depends on politics. Mm -hmm. So the next, we will, we will most definitely have a special session uh, sometime this summer when it's safe for us to congregate. Uh, uh, people may not understand why we didn't do virtual lawmaking, but at the beginning of every session, you vote on the rules of that session. And in order to have uh, worked out from, you know, virtually, we would have had to change the rules. And unless you have an agreement from everyone involved, anyone can put, or certainly the, the Republicans did put a stop to us having virtual meetings um, because you'd have to get back together to vote on it. Uh, but I do think that we will have a session this summer, but it will be very abbreviated. So looking forward to next year, uh, what I think has become so abundantly clear is the importance of the November election. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really important both on a national level, but on a state level as well. Because many of the bills that we didn't get to this year, it's imperative that we pass them next year. You know, protection for public sector workers, the, uh, the fair work week for workers who are working ships. You know, there are so many bills that were before us, the Crown Act that protects um, people at work from uh, discrimination based on your hairstyle, which, you know, has been a very important issue. So, you know, there were just, there are all these bills. And unless we return office, the strong democratic majority that we have, and to the extent that we can increase it, you know, particularly with progressive de Democrats who are going to take a stand on the key issues of the day, um, it's going to be harder for us to pass legislation. But 
I think that's true on the state level. I would say even more true on a federal level, um, where I, you know, I, I think this pandemic and the experience that we have, uh, and, and the experience we've had here in the United States really points to the need for a strong, caring federal government, a federal government that is willing to help people, not hurt people. And, you know, I, I had a very, saw a very glaring example of, uh, of the problems in, in DC just last week when I learned that uh, if your family is a, what's called a mixed status immigration status family, if a US citizen is married to a non, a, a, an undocumented person who is working here with an ID number and paying taxes, but if you have filed your taxes jointly, you are ineligible for the stimulus dollars. So a constituent of mine writes to me on Friday that she and her daughter are US citizens, but her husband has an ID, tax ID number, he's an immigrant that is not here uh, with work authorization, but he is working with an ID number, paying taxes. Even though they're married? They don't. And they're married. This is so shocking, right? People yeah. don't realize they were carved out by the U.S. Senate. That bill for the stimulus money came from the House to the Senate. The House had coverage for those families. The Senate carved it out. So not it, it's not as though she was expecting to get money for her husband, but she thought that she would get the $1,200 right. and her daughter would get the $500. They get nothing. And so you know, this is vindictive. This is yeah. vile. This is even people who might disagree on the issue of immigration still believe those U.S. citizens should not be punished for marrying somebody and raising a family with somebody who is not here with documentation. And, you know, it just made it so, it made it so clear how important it is for us to uh, get involved and elect people into uh, federal office that are going to really make sure that everyone who's a human being has their human needs addressed. Right, absolutely. Well, it's those kind of stories that bring it right, right home um, for sure. So anyway, I want to thank you, Julie, for joining us today. It was really great to see you. Any, any final words you want to say? I miss you all. I can't tell you. I think about the UAW, the members of Region 9A, uh, I can't tell you how much I miss you and appreciate all the hard work. I see you on Facebook. I, I, I follow you. Uh, and, and Bev, you're doing a great job keeping our region together, moving us forward, and as always, you know, caring about everyone in our community, not just uh, those who have privilege, not just those who are comfortable. But thank you so much, Bev. You're doing a great job. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much.